0: Hey all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Shelby. Hey, hey, Austin.
1: Ready to talk about some Dragon Age?
0: I'm always ready to talk about Dragon Age.
1: All right, so let's get started.
0: Well, do you remember our topic?
1: I do. Today we are talking about the Elven history.
0: Yes, we are, and there is a lot of Elven history. Um, a lot of like factual things that we definitely know. Um, And thank you to Solus, a lot of things that are called into question.
1: You sound that, that's a little bitter.
0: I'm not bitter, I'm just, he confuses me a lot. And also, like, I I love history. I have a history background, so I just want to, I want to be as sure as you possibly can. And I think that Dragon Age Bioware has very much presented, until Inquisition, presented a definitive like this is what happened this is how it happened and I don't necessarily think there was a lot of questioning of that history until Inquisition until Solas came out um with all of his you know information about the Evanuris about um the Elven Pantheon and you know were they really immortal Or were they just really powerful mages with different magic? Um, And all of that kind of stuff. So it's not that I'm bitter. It's just that I'm kind of confused and intrigued as to where this information will go in Dragon Age 4.
1: Yeah, totally. All right. So where do we even begin with elven history? That's
0: a great question. I began in my research at the beginning um, well, at least as as much of the beginning as I think we can it's get to. It's a very
1: good place to start.
0: Um, yeah, I figured you'd say that. So, um, I am going to begin in the ancient age, um, if we are going by the Chantry calendar.
1: So this yes, is one thing that um, I realized just now in our uh, in our other episodes. We've talked a lot about these ages, but never really said, like, what age is what. Is that another podcast that we need to do, or is this something that... Could be done.
0: Yeah, we could probably do that. I mean, I can sum it up now if you want me to. Yeah. Too. So, like, an age is essentially a hundred years. So, um, you have the Dragon Age, you have the Blessed Age, you have the Steel Age, you have the Towers Age. These are all a hundred years worth of you know an age and each age is named by the divine at that time and usually she picks like some kind of omen or symbol or whatever to name the new age so the dragon age is named the dragon age because um the divine at that time saw a dragon like dragons came back for the first time in a long long time and everybody was talking about it, so that was that's why Dragon Age is named the Dragon Age. It was kind of seen as a bad omen, too, um, like a bad sign, which, you know, there was another blight. A lot of crazy stuff happened, so, you know.
1: Yeah, um, and the Ancient Age is the only one that's different, right? Yes, the
0: Ancient, thank you. The Ancient Age is different um, because it's kind of like all of the prehistory, almost, um, it's kind of like the proto-history, um, it's all of their, what's the word I'm looking for, like all of their... Um, origins. Their origins, their, their legends, their tales, their stories that shape the world. That's where all those stories happen. So the ancient age, I don't even know the numbers, um, it's a long time, like thousands of years or whatever... Um, this is when Taventer is founded, this is when um Taventer expands, all the Elven history not all the Elven history, but a lot of the Elven history, all this stuff happens in the ancient age. So, um, if you look up a timeline of all the things you know about Dragon Age, the the elves are gonna have the oldest dates because that's just what we know. We just know those dates. Um so Arlathan and Elvenon are like the two big things. Elvenon is kind of like the elf country, and Arlathan is like its capital. Um, so kind of like Ferelden is a country in Thetis and um, Denerum is its capital. It's kind of, kind of the same, a little bit more loose with the boundaries, I would say, um, than, you know, a specific country like Ferelden. But if you look at maps of Thetis, you can see, like Arlatham Forest, like that's still a place. It's over by Taventer. There are stories. Um, I'm thinking specifically of in Taventer Nights. I can't remember the name of the story, but um, there is a story about a Taventer mage. And um, an elf, and they get kind of captured by Kunari, and um, it's like on the outskirts of the Arlatham forest. Okay. So, like, it's a specific place. It's not just an idea or um, this story that the elves tell each other because they don't really know much about it. Like, no, it's a place. We know that it's a place.
1: And just a little thing about Arlethon, at least what I remember from the games, I will be it. It's been a while since I've played the Trespasser DLC. Mm-hmm. I've only ever played through it once.
0: Okay.
1: Um. And so I was just thinking, they tell you the crossroads when you get into the Illuvion, which are like mirrors yep. that mm-hmm. are kind of teleportation devices. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to the crossroads in Trespasser, there's a state of like, especially if you take Sarah or someone else who is more akin in elven lore or the thing like Dorian. Dorian will comment like is this Arlathon when you're walking through the crossroads. yeah yeah. I
0: remember him saying that yeah. Yeah Um, I don't know if we know the actual answer to that. I think um, the way the story goes is, is leading us to think that it is but I don't think we've had a confirmation on that. Right. So Arlathan, actual place, we know that it is. Um, Elvenon is like the ancient kingdom for all the elven people. Um, so this is like one of the big things that the Dalish still have um, of their their elven history. They don't they don't have a lot, but like this is one of the big things they know. Um, so there's some important things to know during this time and I'm going to present some of this information not necessarily as if it is fact but as as it is presented in the game. Solus really questions a lot of this information and says well no that's not exactly right um, I think that Solus has a valid point but I, I don't think that we can just take him at his word either just like we can't just take the Chantry at the Chantry's word and say, "Okay, yeah, you've got it hundred percent right because they're they're each coming from their own their own biases, their own perspectives, their own agendas so I'm kind of like sifting through all this information um, and figuring out what um, like what aligns and um, What what the other says about each other, and kind of just like figuring out that middle ground. So that's where I'm kind of bringing all this information from. So during this time in Elvenon, the elves supposedly didn't age. Uh, They weren't immortal, but pretty close to it. They like didn't suffer from deterioration of the mind or body, and um, magic was very very common. It was commonplace. It wasn't. It wasn't something that was like looked down on, um, and really almost everyone had magic at that point in time. So Arlatham wasn't like the only city throughout Elvenon, um, but it's the one that the Dalish like have hyper-focused on, probably because it was the biggest, and probably because we just know the most about it. So, human scholars, unfortunately, believe that um, Arlathan is, like, the only, the only city in Elbanon, which I just think is silly and unlikely, uh, unlikely, impractical, illogical. Like, it just doesn't make sense. So, anyway, Arlathan is founded around, like, minus 7,600 ancient, like I said, located in um, this huge forest in northern Thetis. and it was a place where... Ancient elves would go to trade knowledge, see old friends, they lived, they traveled there, seen as a pilgrimage, like all of these things. Um, and I think it's important to note that the elves of Arlathon and Elvenon first made contact with dwarves about 4,600 years before the end of the ancient age. The Dalish have, have no legends about fighting dwarves. I think that's really important to note. Um. And a lot of people think that one of the reasons that dwarves fear the sun is actually because of the ancient elves. Um, because Elgernon, the all-father figure, he is his symbol is the sun. He is uh, fiery. He's very angry. And so folks think that that's one of the reasons why dwarves fear the sun, because of Elgernon. Um, and the, the quote from that comes from the Torn Notebook in the Deep Roads um, in Dragon Age Inquisition. I just think that's really funny. They, they put so many, like, hidden codex entries into these DLCs, um, and I just, I, I find that suspicious. It's a little sus. Anyway. The Dwarven Shaperit also speaks of an elven-ruled Thetis devoid of humans. So elves ruled the land and dwarves ruled the underground. And they had no conflict until, you know, humans come in. I think that's really interesting.
1: Yes, and kind of undoes a little bit of what we talked about with the Chantry and the Chant of Light. Because mankind and the elves are, they're almost created and come into being simultaneously right but but the elven history says the otherwise
0: right right so humans arrived in Thedas about 3100 years before the ancient age ends and some have suggested actually that humans came from Parvalon which is now the Kunari homeland um, which I think is interesting I don't know if if um, you know, humans and Canari share, like, a common ancestor far back. I don't know. Um, but elves named the humans Shimlin, which means quicklings. And, and so they did that because of the shorter lifespan. Humans were very much seen as brash and aggressive, warlike even, um, violent and impatient. Um, I think that description sounds like Elgernon, myself, But, um, anyway, soon the elves that had spent time with humans found themselves aging. They were no longer immortal or close to it. Um, So they immediately, like, shut it down, closed the borders of Elvenon to preserve their civilization, really. But, um, unfortunately, it was too late. Because the human Tevinter Imperium was rising to power... Um, and they moved to conquer Arlathan. Um, and it is said that they were aided by demons and dragons. So this happens about minus 981 ancient. And so according to the Dalish, when the city of Arlathon was breached by Taventer, their ancestors chose to flee rather than to fight. Um, so what happens then is that Taventer uses blood magic to like force the very ground, um, basically causes an earthquake to like kind of just swallow up the entire city, um, with a bunch of the, the elves, um, in it. And so the ones that didn't die were enslaved by Taventer, And like we, we know of today, um, the elves in, in modern Thetis, they're, they're, uh, the human contact quickened their veins until every captured elf turned mortal. So, there were actually a few elves that escaped either, you know, death or enslavement, and they actually go to Kadash Tighe, um, which Kadash Tighe is the Tighe that you go to in Shale's background story. Um, and the Dwarven Inquisitor is part of the Kadash clan. So Kalshirock learns of these elves that have kind of um, sought a refuge um in, in their their town, right? And so instead of like supporting them like you would think your allies would do, they just they destroy it. Um, because they are trying to cover up any evidence that would jeopardize their alliance with Tevinter. So, um, this is kind of the history of how Arlathon falls, right? And for me, um, if I was an ancient elf, I would be asking why the heck didn't my gods protect me, right? Like these ancient gods who are immortal, super powerful, and they walk to the earth right beside me and we worship them as gods. Why, why didn't they do something different? You know, why didn't they protect me? Well, actually <laughs> the Dalish attribute um, this, you know, failure of the gods um, to protect people. They do they attribute that to fin Harrell, um and say that uh, Fen'Harel or Solas or the Dread Wolf, he'd already um, done his little trick where he tricks them um, and sends them away, banishes them, essentially kills them all. Um, that had already happened by this time. And so they were just gone, and either uh, the, the people of, of Elvanon and Arlathan either didn't know about it or they knew about it and they didn't care. Um, so that's kind of what the Dalish think about all of that.
1: It's so interesting, the parallels to, like, it's not exact, but the parallels in the Elven Pantheon to Norse mythology,
0: Yeah. Um,
1: just even in their names, like, Elgernon mm-hmm. is the All-Father father, and, you know, Harel is the Dread Wolf, and mm-hmm. it's a wolf that, you know, is responsible for Ragnarok.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Is Finnair
1: is what is. Oh, man. All right, I'm probably butchering that. Pronunciation.
0: Why do you always say pronunciation? It's pronunciation.
1: Pronunciation. Whatever. I like to say it that way.
0: <laughs> okay. Um,
1: anyway, I'm from the South. I can pronounce things however I want. Well,
0: I'm from the South, too.
1: You can pronounce things however you want.
0: Okay. Anyway, we're off topic. So, another thing that the ancient elves did that I find interesting... Interesting is, I have a very loose definition of interesting here, but the ancient elves also waged war on the Titans, which is just like incredibly stupid to me, but again, I'm an American from the South, so I just don't really have much room to criticize them on that.
1: Well, I think it's interesting in the fact that they go to war with the Titans and the Titans are viewed almost as like in a lot of things, they're viewed as the source of Lyrium.
0: Well, they are the source of Lyrium. Yeah, like I, I think and they so, are right.
1: There's a sense of like maybe the, Elven gods or Arathorn, they go against war against the Titans because they want to control magic.
0: That's a that yeah. And
1: that if we take, be. if we take Solus's word. Do we know, ever
0: take Solus's word? Yeah
1: but if we take Solus's word then the elven gods were power hungry well, they wanted yeah, to I control think that's
0: pretty obvious yeah yeah so if they like have this desire to control and consume everything which i think is it, they do um not only based on what Solus tells us but based on their interactions with Mathall then yeah i guess it would make sense that um they would want to conquer the titans too the original colonizers if you will
1: right so that's the ancient elves yeah but Mm -hmm. what about how do we get from the ancient elves to what we know is the dalish
0: yeah okay so i think there's a a big part of it that we just don't know about um i think that's a lot of how history goes but so basically elvenon Arlathon, they fall right to Deventer a lot, majority of the elves are enslaved by Taventer. Well, it's not really until Shartan um, that we know of that a lot of elves get freed. Um, And we talked in our last episode about Shartan, about how um, he led a slave rebellion to free a lot of the elves. And he does that. He succeeds. And then he meets Andraste and... They they link up. Their armies link up. And and that joining, I think, is the reason why not only, not that, sh- that she's not the reason why he succeeds, but their partnership is the reason why the success was sustained and continued. I think that Chartan would have been successful and was successful without Andraste, but I'm not sure that, that that success would have, you know, continued on into years and years and years. I think it that, that they maybe would have been reconquered by Taventer. Nobody can say that for sure, um, but I think that that would, would or could have been a likely scenario. But that's not what happened. He joined up with Andraste, and um, they conquered a lot of Tevinter, and they set a lot of elves free. Um, so that's how a lot of elves get out of Taventer with Andraste and Chartan. And so um, basically, what happens is that because of their partnership, Andraste and Maferath, um, they promise them, they promise Chartan and the elves that they'll give them a homeland. And when the battles are over. Um, Andraste has died by this point, but Mafraath upholds that end of the promise, which at least he has a drop of integrity. Um, not that he had that for his wife, but anyway, I'm not bitter. So Mafraath gives the Dales to Shartan, and that's when they, they have um, the long march to the Dales. And actually, Chartan dies um, in this March. I think we talked about this a little bit at, um, in our last episode. But anyway, so it, it's established in minus 165 ancient. So um, there's a lot of time between the, the fall of Arlathan and when Chartan and um, his elves get the Dales. So that happens, and then a few centuries later, um, the dales of the the elves have lived in the dales for a few centuries, several centuries. Um, I'm not sure of the exact dates because I didn't write it down. But um, the elves have established the dales as their new homeland. Helmschiral is really like the capital, and um, they have some intense. Relations with the surrounding humans in Orlais specifically. And so that's a tense relationship. And I think there's a little bit of violence on both sides. Um, but the elves um, attack the village of Red Crossing, which is a village in Orlais. Um, and we learn about this in um, Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, and so there has been violence on both sides, like I said, but the elves had also captured Montsimard which is like a, kind of a big town in Orlais. Um, they had sacked Val Royaux. um, so they were really making some real strides into Orlais. I think they have every right to, personal opinion, um, but... The Chantry is obviously unhappy with this. Orle is obviously unhappy with this. And so uh, the Chantry sources, they say, um, well, the elves were hostile and violent and isolationist. Um, and then they attacked this village out of, out of nowhere, and so then they declared the exalted march on the Dales, which I don't think is an accurate uh, description of it either. But then also the Dalish say, oh, well, it's just persecution. Um, the Chantry just wanted to convert us, which is also not accurate. Um, I'm definitely not a person who, you know, wants to... to always find the middle ground but i think that there's definitely truth on both sides and i think there's definitely inaccuracies um in both of these narratives
1: so i just a little inner question just for that like we hear these terms and if we dive into codex we might find this but what exactly is an exalted march like what is its decree like It sounds to me like a crusade. Is that a fair comparison? I think that's a
0: fair comparison. I don't have, like, a specific definition for you, um, but, you know, basically they march from Valerio or wherever um, to the Dales um, to destroy everything in their wake, to, uh, you know, take the Dales back. Um, And they do. That's that's what happens. Um, And I think it's really unjust um, for a religious organization that – is founded on the teachings of Andraste, really, to do something to a group of people that she not only partnered with, but that she made a promise to. Right. I think that's really unjust.
1: And, you know, if you're curious about, like, you can see the aftermath a little bit of this in Inquisition, the area of the Exalted Plains mm-hmm. is an area that is where, you know, the Chantry and Orlay March through to the dales to make this, and even Dorian or someone comments on it it's like it's hard to believe that this was all once forest,
0: right, yeah, exactly um like it's it's total destruction, and obviously, like the exalted march again happened several centuries before the events of inquisition um because w- what we know is is elven culture now is okay, elves either live in alien israel like in alienages like in Freldon or they live in um, and they live as servants to nobles in Orle. That's what most um, Orlesian elves do. So it's, you know, two different things, but that's not how it was when they when they had the Dales.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for the elves today. So let's take a break. And then we can go and we'll talk about our side character. Yeah. All right. See you after the break. All right. Welcome back from the break. Um, we're here to talk about our side character. And keeping with our theme, uh, we're going to be talking about a very important elf, especially an elf for the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is Briala. Yes. Which is Empress Celine's elven I don't know what her official title is, but there's a it romantic depends. There's a romantic history there. She yeah. also is Elven Ambassador is her official title, I believe.
0: Kind of, yeah. Um,
1: and so we're going to talk about her and just what she brings to the table and everything. You may or may not know because she is also in a book, right, that is called...
0: The Masked Empire. The
1: Masked Empire. That
0: is correct.
1: All right. So let's get started. So just kind of like, do we know anything about... Briala's like where she comes from oh yes oh yes I'm
0: gonna get into that Mm. so Briala I feel I find her a very interesting character and I really want her to come back in Dragon Age 4 uh, because there's just so many implications here so let me give you a little bit of a background just about her personal history before we get into uh, more of the what she does in in the games so Briala is the elven handmaid, spy master, and former lover of Empress Celine Valmont I of Orlay. So we meet her in Dragon Age Inquisition and in the Masked Empire book. She has a huge role in the novel and I really want to get into this backstory because I think based on the novel, not based on how we meet her in the games. Based on how we meet her in the novel, she could um, have, you know, a much bigger arc in future games, um, depending on your choices, of course. But, anyway. So, Briala grew up as the child of elven servants to the Valmont family. Her parents proudly worked for Prince Raynaud, um, and They worked really hard to protect their status and position in the household, as well as to ensure that Briala had a future, right? So her parents played the game, like they straight up played the game. Briala's father taught her to avoid eye contact so that she could watch people without being noticed, and her mom taught her all about Orlesian politics, as well as pride and who she is as a city elf. So because of her parents, she never really knew um, the poverty and strife of what it meant to live in an alienage. Um, so when Briala was a kid, her mom had another elven servant. Accused of theft, so that Briala instead of the other uh, servant, would be Princess Celine's personal handmaid. So Celine was ten at that time, and Briala's mother instructed her daughter to be careful, obey Celine in everything, and become her very best friend. So, that's what she did. Um, and the, the two of them, Celine and Briala, grew very close. And Briala would eventually love her um, and cherish her as a friend and even see her in a more romantic light. So, as we know, Celine's parents died when she was young, like an early teenager. So, Lady Mantione extended an invitation to Celine to um, come to her. Estate for a meal. And she had not done that since before Celine's parents had died. So, this is like a big deal um, for Orlesian nobility. So, Celine goes to Lady Mantillon's house and they basically plan the assassination of Emperor Florian, which is also a big deal. Like, they just talk about all these things, like, oh, yeah, we planned an assassination. No big deal. It was over dinner. We had some great wine. But, like, that's a big freaking deal. That's the game. That is absolutely the game. I would be a really bad Orlesian. I'm just going to say it. Anyway, so they're planning this assassination, this murder, and so that Celine is not implicated in the murder, they, Celine suggests that they send assassins to her estate to eliminate and kill all of her servants, who would be the only people who knew about this meeting. So, that's what happens. Um, assassins arrive, and they kill everyone, including Briala's parents. Briala was the only survivor. So, when Celine returns from the meeting and finds her, she didn't tell Briala that she was the one that planned the murder of her parents, basically. Okay. So, Briala figures it out. Like, she's not dumb. Um, so, she figures it out, but she didn't really suspect Celine. So... um. Essentially, what happens is Celine makes Brialla leave um, so that she's not suspected for the murders. And so um, she sends her to the Dalish. and before Brialla leaves, Celine kisses her for the first time. So Brialla then leaves Valrio and she would have fallen. she would have fallen to bandits on the road if it wasn't for the intervention of the elven mage Felassan, who killed the bandits. So Felassan's rescue is the first time that Briala sees an elf strike a human. And this kind of opens her eyes to the fact that there's a different world out there, that she doesn't always have to be the submissive, the inferior elf to the better, superior humans. And so this is a very eye-opening experience for her. And um, she wants to join Felisan and create a better world for elves and liberate and free them. And Felassan listens to her and basically says, if you want that to happen, you need to go back to Celine. She's the empress, or she will be the empress. She's the one that you need to work with to make this happen. So... That's what she does. She spends the next years plotting to kill Lady Mantillon to avenge her parents. And she does this. She kills her um, and actually almost dies herself in the fight. But um, she avenges the death of her parents and goes back and serves Celine again. Also, I forgot to mention, spoiler alert, Felison is also an agent of Fen Harrell. This will come back in a few minutes.
1: So, it's one thing that's really interesting about, yeah. like, because this really aids to our kind of, like, elven history. Because we did talk about how the ancient elves got to the Dalish, but we didn't really speak about the city elves. Well, very much right, in, in right. Our, in our story, but, like, this talks about, like, in Ferelden and Orlay the city elves might not be enslaved in name, but they're in such high poverty. hmm And...
0: And they're very obviously looked down upon uh-huh. in like, society. Like, they're oppressed. They're marginalized.
1: And they're often servants to these humans. And so it's almost like, if I was an elf, I would look like this. We just traded one human master right for another. Right. Um,
0: yeah, and I think that's the argument between Orlesian elves and Ferelden elves, right? Like, Ferelden elves very much feel like, okay, well, I'm free. I don't have anything. I have to live in an alien age. I am broke, but I'm free. Whereas Orlesian elves are like, okay, well, yeah, I'm indebted and in service to a noble, but like I eat well, Mm -hmm. I have money to provide for myself. I live in this fancy house. So I think that's very much the argument between those two groups.
1: So yeah, let's get uh, back to Briala. Yes.
0: We got off topic. Um, but anyway, so Briala goes back and she spends time with Celine. She's her her handmaiden again, whatever. But Celine is Empress by this time and eventually word starts to spread about the Empress and this Elven servant girl having a romance, which is, you know, would be very controversial controversial. And good old Gaspard, you know he had to be in this story, right? Well, Gaspard learns of this rumor, and so he, because he wants to be emperor, figures out a way to use this against Celine and to benefit him. So, Gaspard and his followers, they stage a play, basically, making fun of Celine and Briala, and, like, theater is a big deal in Orlais, Um, and so, like, the empress went to the theater, and she went to, like, the opening of this play and all this stuff, right? So, it's a big deal. Um, and so, this play is making fun of the Empress having an affair with an elf. And it's true. She is having an affair with an elf. So she lets it get to her. And I'm sure everybody guessed that, okay, well, if, if it wasn't true, she would have just laughed it off or not made a big deal about it. But Celine kind of loses it um, when this happens her response, she, um, in retaliation, she goes on a march to Halam Sharal and like destroys the entire city. She kills a bunch of elves, um, which is like a huge overreaction to like an insulting play. Um, but you know, when you're an empress, when you have all this power, that's what you can do, right? Um, so everybody's like, oh my god, yeah, she is sleeping with, with this elf then. Because that's her reaction. And it's a big deal. So, Celine destroys Halam and Briala is is rightfully pissed off. Um, And this kind of, like, is their breakup, really. Um, this is when, when Briala realizes that they've got different priorities, number one. And number two, like, how can she be with someone who would just... Murder so many of her people,
1: just people in general. Like yeah, it would be where I was at. Like- yeah,
0: yeah, but especially you know her people. So, um, The Masked Empire continues this storyline and there's a lot of stuff that I left out, but that's like kind of a basic overview of Celine and Briala's relationship. And I really recommend this book. Um, this is probably one of my favorite novels. If you're at all interested about, um, Briala or about Celine or about Michel de Chavon, he's in there, I love him. Um, or even Gaspard, really, you should read it, um, I will say, I know this is off topic a little bit, but I hated Gaspard. Um, And then I read this book and I kind of understood where he was coming from a little bit more, which was surprising to me um, that I would feel any kind of empathy or sympathy for Gaspard um, because he's kind of a jerk. Right. But the book is really good and I think it's written really well. So I definitely recommend it. Um,
1: Just a couple of last thoughts of mine on Briala. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you have more?
0: I did, but go ahead.
1: Okay. No, you go ahead.
0: Okay, I'll go ahead. So, I just wanted to bring it back into the present day where we meet her in Inquisition. So, um, we meet Briala during Wicked Eyes and Wicked Hearts. Um, it's basically Celine versus Briala versus Gaspard. We all know this if you played the game. But since breaking off from Celine, Briala has raised an army of underground elves. Um, during the Civil War in Orlais. And so, when peace talks are called during Celine's ball, um, Briala, like we know, is invited as an ambassador. And Celine really hopes that she can gain this alliance with Briala and her network. And Briala attends because she hopes that she can influence one side into elevating an elf to noble status um, to give her people more of a say in Orlais. But in Trespasser and in the Masked Empire, parts of this get set up in Masked Empire, but in Trespasser, we learn that there's this network of alluvions, the mirrors, right? And Briala has controlled a huge section of this network for a long time, and that's how she's really raised this, this underground army of elves. But she got control of it because of Felason, her friend, her Dalish elf friend, who is the agent Solus of Fenherel. Of so he gives her access to this network, and when he does this, it's actually in direct rebellion to an order from Solus from Finharal. Um, and it gets him killed. And so, in Trespasser, we find out that Solus has control of the entire Alluvion network again. So, we don't know what's happened to Briala. We don't know if she has become an agent of Solace or not. We don't know if she is alive or not. We don't know what has happened to Briala, but because of the tie in to the Alluvions, I think that she might come back into DA4. Right.
1: I think that, like, what stands out to me about, and, like, why this is, like, a good point, like, why I love Dragon Age is that you don't need the Masked Empire to understand No, what's going on or what to do in Inquisition. You cannot read it and make an informed decision or do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But reading it in riches, which is what I feel like this extra like, because the games are kind of our main source. Mm-hmm. And then the books are additional. Yeah, additional yeah. sources. Yeah. And I like that. Because like, When you think about it now, I always thought, like, okay, you give Briala a necklace and she suddenly forgives Celine Mm -hmm. for everything that she does. But it makes sense now because I recently did this in my playthrough. You give it to her and she goes, I didn't even think she still kept things like Mm -hmm. this. Which, with that thing, with that whole story, kind of reminds me, like, I didn't know that this Celine I knew still existed.
0: That's fair. But I have always seen it as, like... Wow, after reading Masked Empire, there's no way I want these two people to get back together. Celine has wronged Briala so much. So now every time I play through after reading it, I'm like, no, F Celine. I don't want her. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want her and Briala to get back together. Right. But mm-hmm. then Gaspard is worse. So
1: <laughs> what do you do? I don't <laughs> even know what happens, like what the implications of Gaspard being emperor are
0: i don't I've never done a just Gaspard rules um playthrough my most recent playthrough is i did um where briala is basically calling the shots behind Gaspard um which is really interesting i like i like yeah. that outcome
1: all right any last closing thoughts on briella
0: um I love her and <laughs> I would love it if she could be a party member. I think that would be really cool. Um, I don't think she would be an agent of Solas, an agent of Fen'Harel, because she is so focused on freedom and liberation for her people, the city elves primarily. Um, And she always, there's a part in the book that's really powerful where she finally meets Dalish elves and they treat her just like as if she's a human. And she is rightfully... Righteously upset, and she's like, "You could help us, but you've written us off as if we're just humans. How dare you?" Basically, and she's upset about it. And I think she has every right to be. Um, so, because of of that interaction, I just, I just don't think that she would join up with Soulless. Um, I think that she's much more focused on freedom and liberation and justice um, yeah. for all of the elves of Orle and and Thetis in general. And as we know, Solas doesn't give two craps about, <laughs> about the elves of Orlais. Um, definitely so. a
1: lot of moving pieces going in yeah. to Dragon Age 4. So many. Because we've got, especially if we take in the DLCs, yeah. we got the whole Descent DLC, which brings in a lot of implications into Dwarven. Yeah. What Dwarven understanding is going to be. Yeah. We've got Briala and her setup of the elves, along with Solas. Solas. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we have this whole... Qunari to Tevinter mm-hmm. thing that's still going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically every race is coming to a civil war. Like, right. the humans have the Chantry and the Templars. Obviously, that has not really been solved. Um, tensions are still there. The Kunari is their three different um, governmental agencies. I guess that's the right word for it. They're military, they're spies, and they're, like, women priest leaders. Um, they're all fighting, the elves, obviously, with Solas, that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. And then the dwarves with the titan. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like every race is.
1: Well, I wonder, like, how much our choice of who rules Orzammar is going to affect, like, this, like, if we're going to get any, anything on, like, the aftermaths of Volta coming back and, like... I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see.
1: Right. Lots of moving pieces. Lots of exciting things. Yeah. All right. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at DALorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. I'm your host, Maverick Stone. It's me, Gingerino42. I'm Romer.
0: Hey, this is Sassy Lady.
1: And I'm Jaxus. And we... We are the Fallout Rounding. Join us as we explore various topics from the Fallout universe brought from multiple perspectives. We can be found on your favorite podcatchers from Spotify to iTunes. Or follow us on Twitter at FalloutRTB or our email FalloutRTB at gmail.com. Be sure to rate, follow, and subscribe. Thank you.